Welcome to the Teen Life Coach Podcast. I'm Coach Sammy, and I am so glad you are here. The teen years can be fun and exciting, but also filled with self-doubt, insecurities, and lots of frustration. I am here to help you along your teen journey and make sure you enjoy your teen years as much as possible. Let's get started. All right, you guys, welcome to the podcast today. I am so glad you are all here. We have a special guest today on the podcast and she is near and dear to my heart. I adore and love her. She has taught me so many things. And so Jody Moore is on the podcast today. So Jody, can you introduce yourself? Tell the teens what you do how you got to where you're at, and tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love um, working with teens, and I I wish, I know you and I probably both feel, I wish we would have understood some of these tools when we were teenagers, Um, and I love how teenagers respond to it. So I'm a life coach, just like you, Sammy, and um, I was trained at the life coach school almost 10 years ago now. And I found coaching just through my own struggles of like, you know, the whole, like, nothing's really wrong. Like, I know I am pretty blessed and have a great life, but why am I so unhappy? And, and just like, surely there's more (laughs) that I could be doing. And so I found life coaching first, you know, as a client helped me tremendously in my relationships, in my, with my goals, with my confidence. And went through coach training just because I wanted to learn more and deepen my understanding of the tools. After getting through coach training, I just started talking about, I started writing a blog and just wanting to share it with anyone that would listen. And there was enough response that I then dove into building my business. So I've coached a lot of people now on a lot of things. And I'm also a mom. I have uh, four kiddos. I've got a 16-year-old son, a 15-year-old daughter and then a nine-year-old son and seven-year-old daughter. And so seeing some of the challenges, I also work a lot with youth through my church, with teenagers through my church affiliation. And um, I just, I don't know, I love all of it. And you're you're so good at it. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, so I just have to kind of tell my, my story with your work. It was about five years ago and I was like struggling so bad. And my sister-in-law sent me one of your podcast episodes and it was titled how to solve any problem. (laughs) It was one of your like beginning episodes and I listened to it. I listened to it and I was like mind blown. I was like, oh my gosh, this is something that I've never heard before in and out of therapy. And so then I binge watched all binge watched, binge listened to all of your podcast episodes and still listen. And, um, then I joined your program and then I went and got certified as a coach and just kind of like you, where I was like, I wish I had these skills and these tools earlier in my life. I need to share these with the teens they're struggling and this would help them so much. And so that's, that's kind of why I, I love the coaching. Um, I love what you do. And one of the most common questions that I get from teens all the time is how do I deal with difficult people, toxic people in my life? And I get this question so much that I was like, let's have Jody on the podcast because she is an expert at this. And she's the one who taught me how to do this. 
And so um, I'm just <laughs> super happy you're here to talk about it for the teens because in our teens, social interaction and our friends, that's the most important thing to teens. And so mm. when we can't get along with others or when we view people as difficult or toxic, we really then kind of go to the other extreme where we're avoiding those social situations and those things that make us happy. And so I feel like it's really important as a mm -hmm. teen to be able to navigate, um, these difficult relationships. Mm -hmm. So, um, we don't get to hear the teen version of Jody very often. So I wanted to know what <laughs> your, what your teen years were like a little bit. Oh yeah. Let's go. Let's throw back. Um, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like relationships and friendships are such a big part of your teenage years, at least for a lot of teens. Um, it's, everything feels a little bit heavier and everything feels really important in terms of whether or not you have friends or are popular or accepted. And I think that that's pretty normal. That was definitely my experience. So I grew up, um, in Spokane, Washington, which is where I live now. Again, I moved away for a long time, but moved back about five years ago. And so I had, I was a member of the LDS faith and had um, just a few other friends who were members of my faith, but the majority of the kids weren't, which only meant that they were living their lives in a pretty different way than I was. Lots of drinking and experimenting even a little bit with drugs and you know, um, intimate, sexual intimacy and relationships and things that I just, as a conservative Christian, didn't want to participate in. And so that made it really hard for me to feel like I w could fit in with those kids. I definitely felt like not cool because I wasn't cool. Not just for those reasons. I just wasn't cool. <laughs> um, but that said, I did have a couple of friends and I think that's all you need in the end. You need one or two friends. And I will say, you know, in hindsight, all those things that feel so important in high school, you realize later aren't <laughs> that important, but it's okay to be in the middle of it and think that it is. I think that's a, a really normal process. So I feel like I had some good friends. I, I, I liked, I, I wouldn't say I had a negative experience, but it was really hard. It was definitely hard. Yeah. And I feel like now it's, it's even harder because we have a concentrated culture where we know what everybody's opinions of us are just from social media mm -hmm. and everybody has something to say. And there's so many more difficult people to have to learn how to deal with because we are just mm -hmm. like, constantly bombarded with messages or we have so much access to more people nowadays. And so, um, I feel yeah. like it, it's that, like you, you mentioned times a million almost. Yeah, definitely. I can't even imagine um, what that would be like to see. I mean, even as a, you know, almost 50 year old woman, sometimes I see people post things on social media and I have that fear, that FOMO response of like, oh, I didn't get invited to that thing. And it'll be something that's like three states away from where I even live. Like, of course I didn't get invited, but I, I experienced that even at my station in life. I can only imagine as a teenager what that must feel like. And I've seen it, you know, a little bit with my own kids. I think that what we have to remember, one of the things I'll just throw out there is that social media, phones, the internet, et cetera, 
um, in and of itself is neutral, right? Like it's social media isn't bad or good. It isn't toxic or amazing. It just is. It's a tool. And just like it can create a lot of challenges and problems, it also can create a lot of good. And there's a lot of good that's come from the advances in technology and access to people. And what you have to keep in mind, what I, I recommend for my teams is you have to choose how you're going to interact with that tool. And it might be that you're not going to interact with it at all. It might be too hard for you to be on certain platforms and feel confident or happy the way you want to feel. That's fine. But don't give power to things like social media by saying social media is making it hard. You see what I'm saying? Um, what I like to remind everyone is social media is just a tool. It's created a lot of good things. Like my daughter can still be really close to her friends in California where we used to live because of social media. It's much, she can have a pretty deep, close connection with them thanks to the tools of technology. But again, it can, if you're going to compare yourself to others, which is natural for us to do, then it will create that challenge and problem. So decide how you want to use that tool. Don't give the tool the power. And sometimes when we label things as toxic or bad or whatever, we give that tool an inordinate amount of power. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Right. I love it. So keep things neutral, like social media. When it comes to people, human, let's, let's just call them human beings then. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about the humans. <laughs> okay. We're not going to call them toxic or difficult. We're just going to talk about dealing with human beings. Okay. So mm -hmm. when it comes to human beings at school and people around you, okay. What are the most important things that you can recommend for teens and how to better navigate these relationships? Yeah. I mean, you, you did hit it on the head there where, um, first of all, I don't ever for myself, I'm not saying it's wrong to, I'm just saying, I don't ever label people in my mind as toxic or difficult because of how that disempowers me. Okay. As soon as I name something that then it's scary. It's dangerous. Like toxic. That word is like poison, right? Poison is toxic. And I don't want to give an inordinate amount of power in my mind to a person or, or to anything outside of me, because then I lose the ability to focus on what I can control. And instead I become focused on what I cannot control. As soon as I label someone toxic, my brain starts going to work noticing all the ways in which they are toxic, all of their bad behaviors and criticizing it. And it's tempting to want to talk about it with other people and get some validation and reinforce it. And again, I'm not saying that's wrong to do. That's just not the action that I want to take that's going to help me find happiness, peace, joy, connection, whatever it is that I'm looking for. Me noticing the ways in which other people are doing it wrong doesn't create more happiness for me. It might justify me. It might make me feel a little bit powerful, but in a also somewhat toxic way, right? So again, I'm not saying it's wrong to, I'm just saying I personally never do label people that way in my mind. What I might notice is, oh, I don't care for this person's behavior. And this person maybe is really struggling. This person is operating out of a lot of hurt. This person's operating out of a lot of pain. 
this person um, has mental illness. This person has whatever. Like I try to choose terms like that that help me be more compassionate um, because as soon as I label someone toxic, I in some way become a somewhat toxic version of myself. That's the first thing. The next thing is I like to teach. I've taught this to my teens. I teach it to teens all the time. I have to remind myself of this and adults of this, that in a relationship, there are three parts. Okay. There is what I think of like Sammy. So let's take our relationship. For example, there's my thoughts about you, like my story about from whatever I know of who you are, who I think you are, my, my opinion of you is part of it. Right. Another part of it is what I think your opinion is of me, okay? Notice I said what I think your opinion is of me. What I'm guessing or assessing is your opinion of me. But even that, I may be right on or I may be a little off about what I think your opinion of me is, right? And then finally, there's my opinion of me in relation to you, okay? What I think of myself when I'm interacting with you and there's some overlap in all three of those areas. I love that really quick because really the whole relationship you just described has absolutely nothing to do with the other person, <laughs> right? No, it doesn't. Right. Like it, not in terms of how I experience the relationship, right? Your experience of our relationship has to do with you, but my experience of our relationship only has to do with what's happening in my mind, right? Now, granted, I take your behaviors, things that you do, things that you say, and I use all of that to create the stories in my mind, but it's still just in my mind, right? And what our brains want to fix it on the most is that second thing. What do I think is your opinion of me? And the truth is your opinion of me is the thing I can control the least, right? Like I can, again, I can like do some work on my story about what I think you think of me, but I'm not trying to convince anyone to delude themselves. Like if I have a friend at school who says something nasty about me online or to another friend and it gets back to me and they're talking bad about me, I'm not saying they should walk around going, I think that she really likes me, <laughs> right? Like I want us to embrace the reality, which is she doesn't care for me or she has judgment of me or she's threatened by me or whatever. She does, like, it's okay to embrace the reality, but that's also the piece I have the least control over, but that's what we fixate on. How do I get her to stop talking bad about me? Either how do I get her to like me so that she doesn't do that? Or at the very least, how do I get her to stop talking bad about me to everyone else? That's the one thing of the three parts that I can't control. I might be able to influence it a little bit, but for the most part, I have the least control there. But what do I think of you is I have 100% control over. And what do I think of myself in relation to you, number one and number three? Those are the two that I have complete control over. Those are the two that we neglect the most. So when I have, and I just coached um, a teenager a couple of weeks ago with this exact scenario. She's like, there's this girl and I've known her for a long time and she got mad at me. I didn't invite her to something and I tried to apologize. and She wouldn't accept my apology. She told me she thinks I'm a terrible person and right, all this drama. And she's so upset about this girl thinking ill of her I was like, listen, we can't control that. What do you think of her? And what do you think of you? Can you make peace with like, listen, she wants to be mad right now. She's hurt. Okay, I'm just going to love her. I'm going to just try to have at least compassion for her. 
or at least be fascinated by her and work on getting my own back and being like, listen, like if it were me, I'd say, listen, Jody, I love you. And yes, sometimes you aren't a great friend and other, and in many ways you are. And it's okay that that girl is mad at you. It doesn't make you a less amazing person, but let's just have compassion for her and not turn into what we do instead, the crazy version of us that tries to control and manipulate and get mad back. And then we're like mad at her for being mad at us. And it just creates a mess. So you have to let go of that number two. You have to focus on number one and number three. What do I want to think of her? We're always trying to get to compassion and kindness. And what do I want to think of me? Again, compassion and kindness. And that will free you from having to control the people or it doesn't matter if they're toxic or difficult. And maybe you have boundaries. Maybe there are some people that you choose not to have in your life and that's fine. But ultimately you have to focus on what you have control over. Yeah. And I think that's where so much anxiety is created for teens is focusing on the things that we don't have control over, but we want to have control over it. (laughs) Right. Well, because it feels like the problem, right? It feels like that person being mad at me is the problem. So that's not the problem. The problem is you thinking that if someone doesn't like you, then that makes you less of a person in some way. It always comes back to that, to our own desire to feel good about ourselves. We're all just trying to feel good about ourselves. And when people behave badly, it's always out of hurt and pain and usually connected to their own self-concept, their own, what they think about themselves. When you understand that, it simplifies everything. Listen, she's just trying to feel good about herself and I'm trying to feel good about myself. And that's tough to do as a human being. We're going to have to do that work our whole life. It's not a box we're going to check. You're going to have to keep doing that work. It's like brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth every night, but you still wake up with bad breath the next morning and you got to brush them again. And that's how understanding your own value and embracing yourself is. One of the things that has really set me free And Sammy, I'm sure you, you know, like through the life coach school, we learned a lot of these great concepts around this is like this idea that I'm not for everyone. I'm not for everyone. Like that, you know, belief system that I was offered when I went through coach training 10 years ago, like, it's okay. You're not for everyone. Totally set me free because our brains think that we should be for everyone. Right. And I like to think of us And especially in your teen years where you're like trying to figure out who you are and what you like and who you're going to be, think of yourself like ice cream. Like you could just try to be vanilla ice cream and hopefully pretty much everyone likes vanilla, but you're not vanilla. That would be you like changing, watering yourself down to try to please everyone and not rock the boat. But what ice cream are you? And, And you're going to change too throughout your life. But if you're Rocky Road, some people don't like marshmallows in their ice cream. Does that mean you take out the marshmallows? No, it means you're just like, yeah, I'm not for everyone. You know, it doesn't mean you're not respectful and kind. I'm just saying some people won't like your flavor. And that's okay. They're not for everyone. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a freeing way to think about it, I think. How can, and not just teens, but like as adults too, like, How can we learn how to let go of those things that we can't control? Well, you you do have to pay attention to just a little thought, like I just want everyone to like me, which is something we all say all the time. Um, It sounds like such a positive thought, right? Like I just want everyone to like, it sounds so understandable and reasonable and even good. 
right? Because like, what's the alternative? I don't care what anyone thinks of me. Like that's not healthy either. But a thought like I just want everyone to like me is a, a fear-based thought that will shut you down, especially if somebody doesn't like. And so I like to just pay attention to that. And, and that's why I thought like I'm not for everyone or even I give people permission to be wrong about me is another really freeing thought, right? Because there'll be times when somebody doesn't like you because of the marshmallow flavor in your rocky road. And you're just like, well, that's who I am. Sorry. But there'll be other times when somebody really thinks that you've done something terrible that maybe you don't think you've done. And that's when I like to go to that. I, I give people permission to be wrong about me. It's just sets you free. It's such a more empowering, useful thought than I just want everyone to like me. Um, because the truth is we don't have to give people permission. They can think whatever they want. But when you say that to yourself in your head, then you again, free, you empower yourself instead of giving the power to this person that isn't liking you. Now, there's a third thing I want to talk about too that will come up, which is sometimes we have done something that isn't us at our best, right? Like the example I was just talking about with the the girl I was coaching recently. And she's like, I mean, it's true. I kind of distanced myself from her and maybe I should have invited her to some things. And I can, I can see why she thinks that. And it's, and then at the same time, you know, I'm trying to make it right. And I, whatever, there's this, like that argument that happens in your head of like, did I do something wrong? Like maybe, but I don't think so. And she's, she's being really mean, right? When you're in that whole spin, I find the most peace in just embracing that. Yes, I do have shortcomings and weaknesses and I make mistakes and I always will. And that's not something we can escape as humans, but it doesn't make you a less valuable person. It doesn't, it, it, even if other people think that, right? If I, let's say I do, let's say I'm talking bad about someone at school and they hear me or whatever, it gets back to them. And now I'm triggered because I feel bad, but not, but I sort of want to get defensive and blame other people. If I can just embrace, you know what? I was talking bad about her and that's not who I want to be. And whether you say that out loud or not, I'm not even talking about that yet. I'm just talking about embracing it in your own mind. I did that thing that isn't really who I want to be. It was sort of wrong of me. And I'm just as amazing and good and valuable as if I had never done that. It doesn't touch my value as a human being. And I literally talk to myself this way. I'm like, yeah, you really messed that one up, Jody. Like you shouldn't have done that. That wasn't you at your best. And you're just as amazing as if you had never done that. And I love you just as much. But note to self, let's work on that. When you can embrace that, then you don't have to get defensive and decide whose fault is this and is she, why shouldn't she, like she should be accepting my apology. Like you can just get out of all that drama and be like, yep, I messed up. And I will again in the future. Now what? Now the drama just diffuses itself. And sometimes an apology is appropriate. Sometimes trying to make it right is appropriate. Other times it's just, all right, carry on. And so those are all, you know, based on specific situations, but just Again, I think what I'm trying to really explain is that the focus has to be inward. What do I want to think about me? What, what do I want to think about this other person? Not what do they think of me and what are they doing and what are they saying? Because we cannot control that in the end, but we don't need to when you do the other work. I love everything that you're saying, because when I'm focusing on, like, I get asked, like, what do I do? The action piece, like, what do I do when this happens? Or what do I do when this happens? And 
And the action piece that you're talking about, it's it, you're right. It is all inward. It's not like, oh, you go text your other group of friends and say, oh, I can't believe they did this or that. Or you tell your mom and then your mom Mm -hmm. calls their mom or like all the work that you're talking about is totally inward. And it's the work that we do on ourselves. And I think that's so great because that like you said, it diffuses the whole issue when drama just creates more drama. Right. And then everybody's mad Mm -hmm. at something and you even forget what the problem was in the first place. (laughs) Right. That's so true. And not that it's wrong to get advice from your mom or from a friend about what to say, but without, like you said, Sammy doing that inward work, it doesn't even matter. Like you'll try to say it, but it will be coming from the wrong energy. It'll sound defensive. It'll sound fake. And um, so, yeah, you're right. Like the, the, what to do, do I do something? Do I say something? Is the, is the part that will be easy to figure out if you do this work first, who do I want to be? How do I get to compassion and, and peace for me and compassion and peace for them? Now what's the right thing to do? and say and that doesn't mean that's an easy question to answer still but when you do it when you do that inward work then even the way you say it will change and you'll get a better result in the end I think it's important too that we acknowledge that this doesn't mean that you should never feel hurt or feel pain or feel frustrated or feel any of those emotions that we have in these situations it's totally normal and so it doesn't mean that in the moment you need to get to compassion anyway you could, but you don't have to. It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you get triggered and you feel hurt and you feel the emotions. But give yourself time to take deep breaths. One of the things I really want teens to understand is that anxiety has become a buzzword. And it's true that we have a lot of people with like a clinical hormonal anxiety than what we've seen in the past. So that is real and, and get treatment for that if you're experiencing that. But we're also starting to label everything anxiety and think that it's wrong. And the truth is, as human beings, we are meant to feel all kinds of emotions. And part of the reason we have a lot of anxiety is because we repress those emotions, we push them down, and then they escalate into anxiety. But if you feel hurt, let yourself feel hurt. Take some deep breaths. Remember, this is part of being a human being. And and let it kind of wash through you before you then go try to take a look at how do I be compassionate with me and compassionate with them. You have to allow yourself the human experience first. This isn't just like being positive and happy all the time. Yeah. And that looks for, that looks like for many teens, like I shouldn't feel hurt or I shouldn't feel this way, or I shouldn't be disappointed or I shouldn't feel jealous. Like so many teens have a problem with like, there's a lot of judgment on the emotion of jealousy, right? Where I shouldn't feel jealous. Mm -hmm. That's a wrong emotion to feel, but you're right. Yeah. Like all of these emotions are part of being a human teen and to not discount them, but no, like, yeah, sometimes you get your feelings hurt. People are going to say really mean things about you and it's okay to feel hurt. That's right. And can I tell you my thoughts about jealousy? I actually, I love to feel jealous. (laughs) Here's why. Um, When jealousy comes up, I get like, I I shouldn't say I love to feel it. It doesn't feel great, but I get excited when I notice it come up because jealousy just is an indicator that there's something happening here that I desire or want in my own life. 
And I want to understand what I desire and want in my own life. It's really good for me to know that and to think about that and to focus on that because that's how ultimately I'm going to create what I want in my life. So many people, especially women at my age who have been raising kids and things, they don't even know what they want. They don't even know what they like. And so when I notice jealousy come up, what I do is I go, oh, okay, there's some interesting information here for me to discover. And what is it? And if you really pay attention and you don't shut it down by judging yourself, saying you shouldn't be jealous, you're just like, okay, there's something interesting I can learn about myself. Because I'm sure you can relate to this where there there are like, sometimes I'll see someone go on a vacation to um, Hawaii or something and I'll feel jealous, right? And I'll notice, okay, there's part of me that wants to escape, that likes beaches and sunshine and wants adventure, wants to explore. Okay, that's good to know. As long as I don't shut it down with, well, you can never have that. I I just like, that's good to know. But then I see other people go on certain kinds of trips, maybe where they're like camping for a long time or something. And no part of me is jealous. (laughs) Right? Because I'm just like, nope, I don't have any desire or interest in that type of experience. So this is why I say when when I have jealousy come up, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. What is happening here? And it might just be that you want connection, that you want approval, that you want, and that's okay. But just know that anything you genuinely want is available to you. I really believe that. So, you know, in the world of self-help, we hear a lot of like, you can be anything you want, you can do anything you want. And then people come along and say, that's not true. You can't do anything that you want. And I say, no, you can do anything that you truly desire. Like I could not go be an NBA basketball star or even probably a WNBA basketball star. I do not have the height. I do not have the athletic ability. I probably could never do that. But you know what? I have zero desire to do that. The things that I desire, the things that I get jealous when I see other people doing them are totally possible for me. I really believe that if they weren't, I wouldn't have been given that God-given desire. So that's my thoughts on jealousy. It's not a bad thing. Don't, you don't have to act out on it. You don't have to get catty and mean, but use it as information about something you desire and just write it down. I like to just keep a list. Oh, I, I desire this. I desire that. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. And to not judge your desires, right? Because that's right. Because as teens, Many times we, we judge the desire like, oh, I shouldn't want that, or that's not for me. And we do shut it down really quickly, but so many of us have the same desires, whether you're a teen or you're an adult and they're not bad things. I love that way. Looking at jealousy. Well, and even if it's on the surface, it seems like something that you don't want to desire underneath it is something pure and good. So for example, let's see, let's say I see, um, somebody like, you know, having a lot of fun partying or whatever. And I'm sort of jealous that they're having that much fun and they're partying and living it up. And and if that, if my value system is, I don't want to be a party or heavy party or like that, then that that's the surface desire. But underneath it is a pure good desire to have fun, to be um, like when somebody has been drinking a lot or whatever, they become more vulnerable. They become more confident, maybe you would say, or so it's like, underneath that is a pure good desire. I want to enjoy myself. I want to be able to relax 
I want to be able to connect with other people. Even if the surface level desire is something that you're like, I don't know that it's healthy for me to desire that. <laughs> so under, underneath finding out what that, that pure desire is, right? Oh, that's such yeah. good, such good information on jealousy. I love it. I could absolutely listen to you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've given us so many helpful tools today. I want to know, like, if you could go back and tell your teen version of Jody anything, like what advice would you give her? Mm, this is such a good question. Um, I think I would just tell her that, well, a couple of things. Number one, I wish I would have understood that um, exercise and eating good foods and all of that is a great thing to do for your mental health. I think I knew that, you know, it was, I, I mean, I did know, I understood that it was good for my physical health. And um, that was the only reason I was doing it really was to try to, you know, lose a couple pounds or whatever, look good. I wish I would have understood that just getting in the habit, whatever habits those are of physical fitness, even if it's just going for a walk and just you know, I'm not an extremist when it comes to food by any means, but like, you know, try to develop some healthy uh, habits around food and movement will serve your mental health in the long run. And yes, it will serve your physical health, but your mental health is just, you know, I, I see people that struggle with mental illness and um, there, there can be a lot of things that cause that. I'm not saying if they would have just gone for a walk, they'd be fine. <laughs> but anything we can do to contribute to it, it's really challenging to achieve what you want to and find happiness with men, without your mental health, just like it is without your physical health. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is I would say um, that, again, because I feel like in your teenage years, you're sort of developing habits that you carry with you into your life. And I wish I would have understood that having a habit of learning to pay attention to myself and, and have a healthy relationship with myself could be so life-changing. Something as simple as looking at yourself in the mirror every morning when you're brushing your teeth and making eye contact and intentionally having something kind that you say to yourself in your mind. That's what I do now every day. As I'm brushing my teeth, I look in the mirror and I say, hey, Jody." it's going to be a good day. Thanks for not staying up too late last night. Or, hey, you stayed up really late last night, but you know what? I got you. We're going to be a little tired today, but it's okay. I'm here for you. Let's do that. Like just anything kind. doesn't have to be like something you don't believe, like you're amazing or whatever. Just like acknowledge yourself the same way I do with, you know, someone in my family when I see them in the morning. Hey, how'd you sleep last night? You know, something kind once a day will go a tremendously long way of being there for yourself. And when you're there for yourself, then you, you'll still, I still want people to like me, but I don't need them to like me in order for me to like me. And that is a really empowering place to be because while a lot of people like me, there will always be some that don't. So those are the two things I would say. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like marshmallows. Right. They're always well. They're always well. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 
So good. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Um, tell the listeners where they can find you if they're interested in more about what you do and the help and the work you provide. Where can they find you? Yeah, thank you. I am on Instagram, uh, Jody Moore Coaching. I'm on a lot of social media, but that's where I'm the most active. And then uh, my podcast is called Better Than Happy. If you like podcasts, um, you can check that out moms, parents, teens, anybody can listen to that. Such great um, help on the podcast as I have listened (laughs) to so many of them. (laughs) And thank you for the work you do for helping so many people and the teens and you are amazing and so awesome. So thank you for being here and helping the teens out today. Oh, thanks, Sammy. Thanks for the work you're doing. I'm so glad we have more and more teen coaches coming online. We sure need them. So thank you. I love them. I love them so much. Take care. Hey guys, do you want more? If you are ready to work with me in one of my coaching programs for teens, check out my website, knowingup.com. That's K-N-O-W-I-N-G-U-P.com. Whatever you are struggling with, whether big or small, I can help. We learn so much more in my programs than what is offered here on the podcast. Come join me, you guys. See you soon.